just a part of life these days, right? You've got your music blasting. You've got workers at uh, on, the, on the construction sites. You've got musicians, people going to concerts. Sound is just a part of life. So noise can cause damage to the ears in a, in a whole host of ways. Welcome to the Merck Manual's Medical Myths Podcast, where we set the record straight on today's most talked about medical topics and questions. On every episode, we'll hear stories from the front lines of medical care to help dispel common myths and answer some of the questions you've been itching to ask your doctor. And remember, you can always find more information on this week's topic and hundreds of others on MerckManuals.com. Now, here's your host, Editor-in-Chief of the Merck Manuals, Dr. Robert Porter. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Porter, Editor-in-Chief of the Merck Manual, one of the world's most trusted medical resources. On this episode, we welcome Dr. Lawrence R. Lustig, Professor and Chair of the Department of Otolaryngology and Head and Neck Surgery at Columbia University Medical Center and New York Presbyterian Hospital. Dr. Lustig also authors the hearing loss sections of the Merck Manual. Now, some of you might be thinking that this isn't your problem because hearing loss is just something that happens when you get old, so you don't have to worry about it when you're young. Well, that's one of the myths that Dr. Lustig is here to talk about with us today. He's also going to talk a little about how we can prevent hearing loss. Dr. Lustig, maybe we should start by explaining to our listeners exactly how hearing loss works. How do you actually lose something that you were born with? First of all, uh, thank you for uh, having me on your program, Dr. Porter. It's really exciting to be here and speak to the audience. Uh, I think a, a good place to start is by talking about how the ear works, and then we can then backtrack and say what happens when we lose hearing. So in a, in a nutshell, sound comes down the ear canal, and it hits the eardrum, and then those vibrations of sound travel through the three middle ear bones to get to the inner ear. Within the inner ear, there are uh, these little tiny cells called hair cells that then convert those sound vibrations into an electric impulse, which goes off to the brain. So we can lose hearing in uh, any number of ways uh, along that pathway. You know, for example, if you have wax in your ear, that that blocks sound, or if you've got a hole in your eardrum and fluid in the middle ear. uh, Those types of hearing losses that block sound from getting to the inner ear, we call those conductive hearing losses. In contrast, there's inner ear or sensory neural hearing losses, and that's usually due to... uh, uh, problems with those little tiny hair cells uh, that make the conversion of sound waves to electricity. And if, and if those die, then you lose hearing as well. And the kind of hearing loss we get from each of those different types of problems uh, are treated very differently. What's the role of aging in that, though? I mean, do things just wear out when you get older? I know my hearing isn't what it used to be. Well, first of all, uh, hearing loss as we age is really a a problem for everybody. Every single one of us loses hearing as we age. And and what happens, if you look in the inner ears of of people who who have age-related hearing loss, we see a number of things. We see loss of some of those hair cells that make those sound wave conversions. We also see loss of some of the, the neurons that bring sound from the hair cells to the brain. Which comes first is a subject of great debate in our field, but when you look at people, they've really got a combination of those problems. And and there are some other abnormalities of the inner ear as well. Um, Now, even though we all lose hearing as we age, what differs between each of us is the rate at which we lose that hearing. 
Uh, and that's different for everybody. Uh, some people may lose hearing relatively quickly in their 50s, and other people may have pretty good hearing until their 70s or 80s. One of the biggest determinants of that rate of hearing loss is your genes, whatever you were born with. And some people have genes that just make their hearing loss go much quicker, whereas other people have really uh, much stronger genes that allow them to hear better until much later in life. There are other things like noise exposure. Uh, there's certain kind of medications. Uh, there's certain medical conditions that can also contribute to that acceleration of age-related hearing loss as well. Dr. Lustig, a lot of parents are concerned about their child's ear infections. What role do they play in hearing loss? Well, absolutely. Ear infections in kids are a major cause of hearing loss. So the reason why kids get ear infections is because their eustachian tube, which is the tube that goes from the middle ear to the back of the nose and helps regulate air pressure, isn't fully developed. And when it cannot regulate that air pressure, what can happen is fluid builds up in the middle ear and the presence of the fluid can block sound, so you can end up with uh, inability of sound to get to the inner ear. Um, if that fluid gets infected, you can come out with a frank ear infection, and then those infections can do even uh, more damage by causing such problems as holes in the eardrum or even skin cysts in the middle ear called cholesteatomas. So there's no question that ear infections can lead to hearing loss. Now, the kind of hearing loss you get from an ear infection is different than the kind of hearing loss you get when you're elderly, say, age-related hearing loss. The, the hearing loss we get with ear infections is what we call conductive hearing loss or uh, blockage of sound to the inner ear. When you get that kind of hearing loss, your, your inner ear can still process sound. So if you have a way of getting sound to the ear, your inner ear being normal can process the sound normally. And so, for example, patients with these conductive hearing losses, if we can't fix the conductive hearing loss, hearing aids work terrific because getting sound to the inner ear, the ear will process it fine. The other issue with those kinds of hearing losses is we can oftentimes fix it. So little kids with fluid in the ears, we put tubes in and we drain the fluid. If you have a hole in the eardrum, we fix the hole. If you have some other pathology related to those in infections, then we try to fix that other pathology. And in many cases, we can improve, if not completely reverse, the hearing loss from ear infections. Not always, but in many cases. Thanks for the explanation. It's good for our listeners to understand the different types of hearing loss. Now, noise seems like something that's really ubiquitous in our environment anymore. Um, what kinds of noise are particularly damaging to the ear, or is just any noise a problem? Well, noise is a really important one. Uh, noise is just a part of life these days, right? You've got kids listening to their iPods uh, and their, with their earbuds. You've got workers at, uh, on, the, on the construction sites. You've got musicians, people going to concerts. Sound is just a part of life. So noise can cause damage to the ears in a, in a whole host of ways. Does it have to be super loud like a rock concert? I mean, that's what I usually think of when I think of something that's too loud. Yeah, so there's uh, rock concerts, nightclubs. Um, I've been to weddings and bar mitzvahs where the noise was so loud, I had ringing in my ears afterwards. I knew it was too loud. So there are a couple things that really determine how noise and loud sounds can cause hearing loss. Uh, and it's a combination of two really important factors. Number one, the loudness, and number two, the duration of that exposure. 
So, for example, a, a factory razor, you know, one of those electric shavers, that puts out about 85 decibels. And if you were to put that next to your ear for eight hours continuously every day, that could lead to hearing loss. Well, fortunately, it doesn't take me that long to shave in the morning, <laughs> no, exactly. but I, I take God. your point. Or, or maybe grow a beard. <laughs> but uh, there are other sounds that are, that are much more powerful that even a, a, an isolated exposure can, can cause uh, permanent hearing loss, things like gunshots, standing next to a jet engine, uh, jackhammers, those kinds of things where you know the sound decibel level is very powerful and it does not take uh, much exposure to cause a permanent hearing loss. Yeah, I date my hearing problems back to uh, when I was a teenager. I used to do a lot of high-power rifle shooting, and that was in the day when we didn't wear any hearing protection. And uh, my my ears haven't been right since then. Can you tell about other sounds that are damaging you? Like, you know, if you pick up something hot, it obviously hurts and you don't do it. But can sounds hurt you that aren't obviously painfully loud? Explosions can cause painfully loud sounds and can also physically damage the eardrum, middle ear, and inner ear structures. Firecrackers. You know, another really important source of noise exposure are uh, these modern stadiums. I mean, you've been to some of the football games or watched some football games on TV, and you see a sound meter. And people get very excited when they see that sound meter go up to 135, 140 decibels. That's like standing next to a jet engine, and I have no doubt that people exposed to that level of sound are causing injury to their ears. Fortunately, sound exposure is also one of the easiest things to treat because it's preventable, and it's preventable with a very simple and inexpensive solution called an earplug, and you can go to your local drugstore, and you can spend a couple dollars and get some foam earplugs or silicon earplugs, and I, I personally tell my patients to put them in their glove compartments and their jacket pockets. And if you know you're going to be exposed to some loud sounds, bring them with you and put them in your ears. And it'll save you a, a world of pain and uh, hurt later in life when suddenly you can't hear as well when you go out to a restaurant or you have permanent ringing in your ears. Thanks, Larry. We're going to take a quick break here. Stay tuned for more. The Merck Manual's website offers a variety of video, audio, and interactive content. With so many choices, it's easy to access information is the best first place to go for free, understandable medical content. Now, back to Dr. Porter and the Merck Manual's Medical Myths Podcast. We're back with Dr. Lawrence Lustig. Are there some rules of thumb people can use to tell when noise is too much and that they ought to wear their protection? I mean, we obviously can't all carry decibel meters around with us, although I do note there's an app for that. You can download free decibel meters, but even that's not practical. So what rules of thumb can people use to tell when they're in an environment that's a bit too loud? So my general recommendation to to patients and friends and family members is if you're in a situation where you have to yell above your normal tone of voice to be heard, then it's probably too loud uh, and you need some type of ear protection. Uh, If you're at the gym and you've got your earbuds on and you've got your music blasting and someone walks up to you and starts to talk and you can't hear them because it's too loud, it's probably too loud and you should turn the volume down. Uh, Those are two generally pretty good rules of thumb to use. Now, speaking of these earbuds and speakers, how common is it that people listen to them too loudly, do you think? 
Well, it's hard to know, um, but it's interesting. If you look at there's been some good studies of adolescents today compared to, say, 15 to 20 years ago, and there's no question that there's more hearing loss in kids today than there was back then. You know, we listen to loud music. Uh, We went to concerts, too. uh, But the, the hearing loss seems to be more ubiquitous today. And we don't know why. It certainly could be that more people are exposed to loud noise with earbuds. But I can't tell you how many times I've been on an elevator and I see somebody with with earbuds on and I can hear the music and I'm not wearing the earbuds. That's probably too loud. But I think, again, the general rule of thumb is if you've got those on and people come and speak to you and you can't hear them, it's probably too loud. Well, that sounds like most of the people at my gym that are wearing uh, earbuds. Let's jump over and talk about the consequences of hearing loss. I mean, it's certainly inconvenient. I know my wife mentions to me that my new favorite word is what, but uh, isn't it something more than that? Well, all you have to do is talk to someone who can't hear and ask them what kind of problems they have. Think about uh, grandma or your favorite uh, uncle sitting at a dinner table who can no longer take part in a dinner conversation because they just can't hear through all the background. Uh, think about people who have difficulty at work because they have a hard time hearing in a meeting. People who don't enjoy going to a restaurant anymore because they 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 can't hear the people that they're dining with because of all the background noise. So there's a number of consequences that have you, you can get with hearing loss in adults. In kids, it's even more important because it starts to affect, it can start to affect school performance and uh, their ability to achieve scholastically uh, in some instances. But what's really interesting is some data that's come out over the last decade that equates hearing loss with dementia. Now, we know that there is a link between hearing loss and dementia. What we don't know is whether the hearing loss causes the dementia, the dementia causes the hearing loss, or if if just whatever is driving both of them happens to coexist. That is currently under very active study by a a number of researchers around the country. But it doesn't sound like something that we'd want to take a chance with then. No, it doesn't. But it it makes sense, right? Think about the fact that if you're withdrawing from conversation because you can't hear, you become more withdrawn. It it probably exacerbates whatever depression or dementia that that might already exist. Or it could even spark depression because... You can no longer enjoy the activities that you used to be able to enjoy. Well, that certainly makes sense. Once you've lost hearing, does it ever come back? Well, that's a great question. Um, as a general rule, no. Now, I, I'm, I'm going to put an asterisk on that. Again, there are two types of hearing loss in the world. There's conductive hearing losses, which prevents sound from getting to the inner ear, and then there's sensory neural or inner ear hearing losses. With conductive hearing losses, let's say there's wax in the ear, hole in the eardrum, fluid in the middle ear, or fixation of the middle ear bones, we can oftentimes intervene and improve the hearing loss. With sensory neural hearing loss or inner ear hearing loss, we don't really have a way of restoring the function that's been lost. But what we can do is we can give people hearing aids for mild, moderate, or severe losses, and we can give them cochlear implants for severe profound losses and get them some hearing back that they've been missing. Uh, they're not, it's not perfect. It certainly doesn't restore normal hearing, but it's uh, far better than not having any sort of rehabilitation. I know in my medical practice uh, in the emergency room, I'd often have people who were hard of hearing and it was very difficult to communicate with them. And I'd say, 
where's your hearing aid? Let's put that in. And they say, I don't need a hearing aid. And they would become very angry when I suggested that maybe they did need some hearing assistance. Why are people reluctant to wear hearing aids? Well, that's a really, really great question, and uh, it brings into mind a number of uh, social factors at play here. So I think some of it has to do with the historical concept of the deaf and dumb, that somehow if you've lost your hearing, you're not as smart as everybody, which, uh, of course, obviously we know today is completely erroneous. Uh, It was really that they couldn't effectively communicate. Uh, the second issue is many types of hearing loss we see are in, are in the elderly, and there's, there's no question that our society values being young and healthy. And I think a lot of people don't want to admit that they're getting older, and they don't want to admit that they're having hearing loss. Well, this makes no sense to me because, you know, people wear glasses, uh, and nobody equates wearing glasses with getting older, even though many of the, many of the elderly wear glasses. And another interesting thing is if you look at kids with hearing loss and you give them hearing aids, kids today are completely accepting of hearing aids, and they don't have any problem with it. So it's something that's learned as we get older that somehow wearing hearing aids is not socially acceptable or desirable. Um, hopefully we can change that because of all the downsides of hearing loss. Yeah, I guess now the kids are... They're, it's normal to see someone walking around with things in their ears. They probably think it's abnormal if you don't have something in your ears when you're walking around. Many times our kids choose the most outrageous colors, the ones with the zebra stripes or hot pink, or something that they're not trying to hide. They're very proud of the fact that they've got this fun little instrument in their ear that helps them hear. Oh, good for them. What are some other barriers, though, to hearing aid use? I understand they're pretty expensive, aren't they? Yes, unfortunately, hearing aids are pretty expensive, and uh, like cars, they 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 all can get you from A to B, but uh, the more you spend, the more bells and whistles you get. Uh, so, you know, hearing aids will amplify sounds. Some of the, the more expensive ones will do things like cancel out background noise or allow you to hear better in a noisy background with microphones that preferentially amplify in one direction or another. Uh, but you pay for these, and you know a really good quality set of hearing aids can run you sometimes as high as eight thousand dollars. Now, I think what we're going to see over the next number of years is a lot more consumer-friendly devices that will be marketed directly to people, where you don't need to come into a doctor or an audiologist. So, are these those personal sound amplification devices I've started hearing about? Yes, this was created through legislation from our government that now allows direct-to-consumer selling of simplified hearing aids, if you will. Uh, They're called uh, personal sound amplification devices. Uh, They're much less expensive than your typical hearing aid that you would get from an audiologist or hearing aid dispenser. Uh, And many times they'll communicate with your smartphone, uh, and uh, they will be much more reasonable to to obtain. And the other great thing about them is I think there'll be an entryway for a lot of people in whom they're not adequate, but it'll make them realize everything that that they're missing from their hearing loss. So they're not for everybody, uh, but there'll be a first step for many people and uh, hopefully will allow many more people to access hearing amplification than are currently getting it and need it. Yeah, that reminds me a lot of how you can get reading glasses in the drugstore just by picking up a pair, trying them on, and they're really good enough for a lot of people, but then at some point you may need 
a prescription correction, but for people who don't, they're certainly a, a reasonable alternative. What would you say are some of the biggest myths people have about hearing loss? There's a couple of huge myths about hearing loss that uh, we hope will someday be corrected. One is there's nothing you can do about hearing loss. Uh, and we know now that there are many things we can do for hearing loss. There's there's hearing aids, there's cochlear implants, um, and uh, even coming down the pike, there's a number of new, very exciting molecular technologies that are not yet available, but we hope will be within the next five to ten years or so. Uh, a, a second big myth is that it's natural to have hearing loss in the elderly, and you should just leave it alone because old people don't need to get it fixed. I think to deny treatment based on someone's age is not only is, is a discrimination, but it's wrong. And again, with all the great uh, treatments that we have for hearing loss, it's important to try to correct the hearing loss. We we don't know if the relationship between hearing loss and dementia is a direct one, meaning that one causes the other. But there's no question that fixing your hearing loss will undoubtedly help all of the other issues going on like depression and dementia in somebody's life because at least you'll give them access to their surroundings in a, in, in a better way. And the last thing that I think is very important is that the easiest thing you can do to protect your hearing when you're getting older is to use good quality ear protection when you're ex- being exposed to loud noises. Uh, they're simple, they're inexpensive, they're easy to obtain, and it's the one intervention that we have that can really, truly help prevent hearing loss in those that are exposed to noise. So protect your ears, and if you notice some problems, get your doctor to check you out and make sure it's nothing that can't be fixed easily, and then if you need, get a hearing aid. Where can our listeners go to learn a little more about hearing loss? The best place to go is to your local audiologist or, or ear specialist. Uh, there's a number of fantastic resources on the Internet. I, if you stay with the really reputable sites like the National Institute of Deafness and Communication Disorders, uh, they've got a, some fantastic consumer information on there. Uh, the websites for the American Academy of Otolaryngology and the American Academy of Audiology also have a really extensive amount of information on hearing loss. Lastly, of course, there's the Merck Manual, which has fantastic information on hearing loss as well. Written by Dr. Lustig. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Dr. Lustig, for your time and expertise. I think we've all learned a lot about how hearing loss works, as well as some tips for preventing it. So for information on these and hundreds of other medical topics, please visit MerckManuals.com. Remember, as we say at the Merck Manuals, Medical knowledge is power. Pass it on.